This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. So staff writer Richard Sims just returned from a seven-night cruise aboard Norwegian Escape. It went from Manhattan, New York City, down to Bermuda and back. It was also a Halloween sailing. He joins us on the line. How you doing, man? I'm great. How are you? I can't complain. So here we go. Jumping right into this one. You are no longer living in New York City, so you had to commute a little bit to get to the cruise terminal. Is New York still your, even though you live like three hours away, is that still your home base cruise port, we'll say? Definitely, because even though it's three hours away, it's three hours and I'm on a cruise as opposed to going, you know, say two hours, getting on a plane, flying somewhere. So I still prefer it. It was also really nice this time because um, for the first time, maybe ever, um, I actually was going with someone, not sharing a room, but my next door neighbor and I were talking and she was kind of like, geez, I don't have anything planned. Um, You know, why don't we book a cruise? And that's how this came up. It was sort of a last minute thing. We booked much closer than I normally do. We booked about maybe, I think about 70 days before the sailing and she drove us in. So that meant I didn't have to deal with a car service or anything, which was awesome. Well, that was my next question. So you normally get the car service, but parking there, did she park at the pier? And do you remember about what that cost per night? She did park at the pier. I don't remember what it cost per night, but it was around, I want to say like $340 for uh, the week. And one thing that they do there that if you are going to park at the New York City Pier, I highly recommend is making res- reservations because they do they, they were turning away people who did not have reservations. Um, and we she very, very smartly made it much, much smoother. I was going to say, because that pier, if I'm not mistaken, that only has one level of parking because the terminal sits under underneath it, right? Yes, I believe that is correct. I mean, it was interesting because we pulled in and there were three ships in port. Um, We were there, the Explorer was there, and some other ship that I can't remember the name of. And uh, when we first pulled up onto the uh, parking tarmac, there is a term, terminal, there is a parking area right there, but they actually directed us over to the other side. So we were on sort of the opposite side of the ship, which was fine. I mean, it's still, when you went to the elevator, it still took you to the same place. But um, so there is a little bit more parking there than I had originally assumed, but it is still, it's a very, very, very busy, especially when you get, you know, more than one ship in there at a time. Yeah, for sure. So uh, before we jump on the ship here, I want to ask a couple of questions just to kind of uh, set the stage. So as far as NCL, they offer you the perks, the free at sea, they call it. So what perks did you have before uh, before you sailed? Like, what did you get as part of your cruise fare? And did you do any upgrades along the way? Yep. Okay. So it was a little bit interesting because I have... Um, you know, I'm like, I don't know, Sapphire or double Sapphire or something with NCL. So I have a very high latitudes level with Norwegian, but my friend Kimberly, who was going with me had never sailed with them before. So she had nothing. Uh, and that turned out to be both a good and a bad thing in, in certain areas. So I had took the perk that had two free dining meals, the drink package, and, you know, kind of a low-level 
uh, internet access. I ultimately decided to pay, I think it's like $228 and upgrade to the premier package, which gives you the premier drink package. It also gives you two, two more um, dining, free dining options and the higher level internet. What was funny though, was I also, because I am whatever level I am with NCL, I also got two more meals that were part of the latitude package. So by the time you added all this up, I had six meals that um, could be eaten in specialty restaurants on a seven night cruise. Kimberly only had two. So we were at a little bit of inequity there, but it turns out that the Latitudes program, there had been a rumor going around for a while that the Latitudes program had changed their dining package so that if you were traveling solo, you only got dinner for one, whereas it used to be dinner for two. That is not true. Or if it was true for a certain period of time, it has switched back. So the two meals that I got via the Latitudes program were dinners for two, which meant I could take her. So that bumped us up to four, and then I just had two extras. So that's that's a lot of information there to process. All right, so we're at the cruise terminal. It's time to board the ship. Uh, I know you like to normally do the Haven, but you didn't do so this time. So how was embarkation? This was not a Haven trip, sadly. No, this was, you know, me traveling like a normal person in a regular old balcony. Um, embarkation was interesting because... Because I had um, the the gold level latitude, I was able to get on the ship. You know, I was going to be in the first group of people to get on the ship. You are not allowed to bring somebody with you. Now, if she had been staying in the same room with me, I could have brought her, but she's not. She had her own room. So she was not able to get on. She had to wait. Um, it took her probably – it was probably about an hour after I had gotten on board um, that she got on board. The one good thing about that was um, we were not able to make a lot of dining reservations in advance. Um, this is a real problem for me where NCL is concerned that it can be very difficult, especially if you're booking you know, at like the 60 or 90 day mark as opposed to 120. It can be very difficult to get prime dining reservations, whether no matter where you want to eat. And what they do is they then set up a venue. In this case, it was Headliners Comedy Club. When you go on board, you immediately go there and you stand in line and you try and make dining reservations. It's a terrible, terrible system, honestly. Fortunately, because I was on the ship an hour before her, I could go and get that all taken care of. By the time she got on the ship, I had gone to Headliners and made our dinner reservations. I had gone to the theater and made our show reservations because all of that had to be done once you get on board. And I have to say... That is incredibly stressful. That is not how anybody should be starting out a cruise, is having to run around, you know, making reservations because you weren't able to do them in advance. I, I am not a fan of that particular system at all. There were a lot of people who, you know, they weren't able to get the reservations they wanted, and you would hear them screaming at the reservationists, and which is never cool. It's not their fault. Um, but it, it really, it just sets everyone's teeth on edge and makes that first hour or two on board a, a, a tenser than it needs to be. There's just no reason to kick your vacation off that way. Yeah. But um, my, I guess my question is why that system, if it's just easy to change with one step? My understanding is that because they, <laughs> they send such mixed messages. Um, for example, at the top of the Daily Compass, or no, the, the, the Freestyle Daily, the newsletter, it says, 
freestyle cruising. You don't need reservations. Don't worry. And then when you read down like three paragraphs later, it says, we highly recommend <laughs> reservations. What they do apparently is they keep a bunch of the reservations that would be um, between like say 6.15 and 9.30 in the specialty restaurants. They keep those for people who want to make them later, like when they get on board. But it doesn't work the way I think they thought it would. I think the plan was that, like, if midweek you wanted to go, suddenly you got the desire to go to Cagney's Steakhouse, you could just walk up and they'd be like, okay, we don't have a reservation right this minute, but we have one 20 minutes from now. It does not work that way. You need to make those reservations either in advance before you get on the ship, if you can, or if you're signing on and it's saying the nothing's available, then you need to run to this spot and and take care of it then it's yeah it's it's not a very good system to be honest i'm probably going much deeper here than i should but is this like disney dining where you can keep checking before your cruise and something could pop up yeah definitely i mean for example there was at least one night where we you know when we went to eat there was nothing available and they gave us a pager and we went and had a drink and you know when they were when it was available when something was available they they gave us a table also uh, um situations where i saw it didn't happen to us but i saw other people who were like yeah you are not going to get in this restaurant tonight and i i heard several people you know grumbling about like having to wander around the ship trying to find some place other than the buffet that they could actually get into mm-hmm. okay makes sense All right. So you're on the ship. You got your dining taken care of. You go to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and how was it over the seven nights? It was great. It was a balcony room. Um, I was a little worried because at the last minute, I, I, um, there was a price drop. And so I called them and they were like, well, we can bump you up a category, you know, which when, when you're dealing with balconies, it's like not much of a difference, but I was like, okay, whatever. I ended up being on the 15th deck, which was right below the garden cafe. And I was a little nervous about that. Um, but it turned out to be fine. Yeah. There was some noise sometimes, but it didn't really bother me. What was super cool was the balconies at the back of deck 15 have sort of a large overhang because the, t- the 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 deck 15 or deck 16 i guess stretches out further and so no matter what the weather was you know you had there was no wind you really couldn't see your neighbors um it wasn't quite a cove balcony because it's not really carved out the way a, co- a cove balcony is but it was sort of the equivalent of a cove balcony if the cove balcony stretched all on all four sides. It was a really cool balcony. So I was I was very happy with it. And as far as storage and plugs and all of that, bathroom size? Yeah, bathroom size was fine. I never really have problems with storage because, you know, I mean, I've got the biggest suitcase known to man, but it shoves under the bed. I've never been on any ship yet where it hasn't fit under the bed. Um and I, I don't I did not particularly care for the way the closets were designed because in order to get to the side of the closet where your clothes are hanging, you have to kind of like climb over a couch <laughs> um, to get into that space. But, you know, if that's my biggest problem, then I'm doing OK. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So let's talk about the dining on this seven night cruise. You mentioned you had a ton of dining de- uh, credits. You mentioned you had a ton of dining credits, but we'll start at the buffet area, Garden Cafe, I believe Norwegian calls it. How was your experience in there through the week, and did you eat much in there? 
I only went there, I think, once. Um, we were in a hurry to get off the ship. I was, I had a late start, so I ran in and just like grabbed some, you know, bacon and and hash browns or whatever. And and it was it was fine. It was good. Um, it looked a little crowded, but it was a port morning, and people were trying to like you know get in there and get out. And I, I think you know that is probably what caused it there, but. You know, I walked through there once or twice to get to other areas, and it never really looked terribly congested. And while I didn't eat there much on this trip, I mean, I've eaten in the Norwegian buffet a lot, and I think Norwegian does a really good buffet. I like their I like their buffet quite a bit. Do they have a grill station out by the pool? Yeah, there's a there's one of this just like on every ship. I think there's you know there's some kind of like place where you can get like hot dogs and hamburgers mm-hmm. and and basic stuff like that. I am the worst person in the world to ask anything regarding the pool because. <laughs> In all of my sailings, I have never once gone in a pool. I have never once, you know, I think once I ended up sitting by the pool for a contest because I was dragged there by some people, but I tend not to hang out around the pool. It's just not, not, not my thing, man. You mentioned you had a ton of dining credits. So what we'll do here is uh, I'm going to test your memory and uh, just kind of <laughs> bang through each restaurant you went to and kind of give us maybe a highlight and then go to the next one. Okay. So we started the first night at the Manhattan Club, which is one of the main dining rooms. There's three main dining rooms on this ship, Taste, Savor, and the Manhattan Club. Taste and Savor are across from each other and they're basically exactly the same. The Manhattan Club it is like it sounds, it's it's fancier. A lot of people think it's a specialty restaurant because they sometimes have music in there. In fact, they did have um, a musician playing the night we dined there. Uh, and even though it has the exact same menu as Taste and Savor, it just feels like a more elevated experience. So I, if I'm eating in a main dining room on a Norwegian ship and they happen to have the Manhattan room, that's where I head. So that we did that the first night. The second night, we went to Le Bistro, which I had no interest in because I'm not really a French food person, but it was her one restaurant that she really wanted to do. So I said, okay, I've got the credits. Why not? It was phenomenal. I'm not, I've, I've never been a fan of Le Bistro. I've been there a few times. It was an absolutely amazing meal. And as you would hope in that type of restaurant, the, um, the service was just impeccable. Uh, you could not ask for anything better. It was one of those, it was, the, the service was so good that I actually stopped and filled out one of those, you know, vacation hero cards for the service team because I thought they were pretty amazing. Uh, day three, I believe we, oh, day three was Halloween that we also, because it was Halloween and we were in costumes, we ended up going to the Manhattan room again because we didn't want to like be in costumes in a fancy restaurant or even a nice restaurant. So we just went to the Manhattan room again, great experience that night. They actually put us at a table very close to the front, which meant we were right there next to the band. Although I don't remember there being a band. Um, I, at some point, some guy came out and started playing guitar, but he didn't last very long. Um, but didn't matter. We were really just there to, to have a fairly quick dinner so we could go enjoy the Halloween festivities. Uh, the next night was Food Republic, which is one of my favorite places. And I discovered on this trip something that I did not know before. On sea days, Food Republic is often open for lunch, which is fantastic. The other thing was, so if you've been to Food Republic, it's one of those places where you order off an iPad. And if you're using your dining program, you get to order four things. So if you are um, dining with somebody and you're both using the dining program, you can order eight things. We had a fantastic server who came over before we started and said, listen, 
Just use one of your dining cards because everything's share plates. Just use one, order four things. If you want to order more, then add the second person's you know, um, um, meal voucher onto it. And she was right. We ordered four things and were stuffed full, and we saved the other person's dining voucher for another night. So um, that's true of lunch and dinner. Not everyone, Not every waiter will tell you that, but if you ask, can we just use one and split it between both of us, they will usually let you. I actually, in fact, met a young couple who was having a very special dinner at Le Bistro. They actually asked if they could use one dining credit in the French restaurant and like basically split, you know, split an appetizer, split a main entree. And they were allowed to, um, which I thought was super cool because they were a nice young couple who didn't have a lot of money. And I thought that was very cool. Uh, we went the last night we went to Cagney's cause I always end every cruise, um, in the steakhouse on the last night. It was very good, but it was not quite as good as I remember it being in the past. Um, I think mainly because I ordered wrong. Um, I, I you know, I, 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 I should have ordered something different than I did, but it was still a very nice evening. Fantastic service. Um, excellent dessert. Um, one of the best desserts I had the whole, week. It was this cheesecake covered with caramel and chocolate, and it was a thing of beauty, and it melted in your mouth. It was absolutely phenomenal. Trying to think, I must have eaten somewhere else because I've skipped a couple, um, but I don't... Oh, we went to La Cucina. We went to La Cucina one night, um, which was, again, a restaurant that I am not really into. Um, I'm just not really into that much Italian food, especially, you know, if it's a specialty dining thing, because I like make pasta at home. But again, excellent meal um, throughout. I think we had fantastic meals. There were some service issues. I mean, um, you know, that is something that has been a problem on on a lot of ships ever since um, we came back from the shutdown. And we definitely had some service issues. Um, there were times when things took a while. There were bars where there would be one bartender and they clearly needed like three at least. Um, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't the kind of thing where it was like, you know, going to ruin your trip or anything. Um, but it was, it was definitely to me a little bit noticeable. I don't know that she noticed necessarily, um, because like I said, she's pretty new. She's only done like one cruise before and that was not on Norwegian. And in the past I've always had pretty good service on Norwegian. Um, so I, you know, that was, that was a little thing. It wasn't a big thing. wasn't a big bump in the road, but it was definitely noticeable to me. The uh, Le Bistro, you were saying that you weren't looking forward to it. I, I feel the same way about a lot of the French restaurants on board, like even at uh, Princess as well. What what made it stand out? I'm curious because like they had food that I saw on the menu on Viva and also the Princess menu as well. Obviously a different cruise line that just didn't appeal to me. What was so good, good about it? Well, OK, we're going to start off with a word that I know you love, escargot. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, they had excellent escargot and then because you know I, I i didn't want anything complicated so i went with a um baked onion soup which was perfect i mean it was just you know the cheese was melty and it had the croutons on top and uh, a big piece of bread actually it wasn't a crouton it was it was perfect and then uh for dinner i they had a braised shank and roasted lamb chop and again 
it was just it was perfectly prepared and it was spicy it was done in a moroccan spice and the even the side dishes you know it had like dried fruit and some sweet potatoes and stuff like that mm-hmm. it just it just really was phenomenal uh i i have never had that good of a meal in Le Bistro before. It was just, it was a great combination. I know it's not really food, but did you hit up Starbucks at all during your selling? I did because I bought the premium drink package and with the premium drink package, you got unlimited Starbucks. They don't really have a full Starbucks on this ship. You know, like some ships like Prima, Viva, they have full Starbucks. This is more like the Atrium Cafe coffee shop that they have on every ship and it happens to serve various Starbucks items, but it is not like a full-blown Starbucks. And, uh, but it was, it was worth it. I mean, I stopped there every day and got my, got my, you know, caffeine and white chocolate milk espresso, something or other. I don't remember what it was, but it was really yummy and very much worth it. And like I said, since if you're going to pay for the drink pack, for the premium drink package, that's included. So, you know, why not? Before we launch into entertainment here, I want to kind of set the stage with this listener email we received. It says, we are looking to book the escape and are wondering about the service and entertainment. I've read slash heard reviews that NCL has downsized in these areas. Just wondering how impactful it was over the entire cruise experience. That's from Patrick. It was definitely noticeable on both counts. Like I said, service was a little bit, um, I, I never saw my, no, I saw my room steward once, you know, on the, on day one when I gave it primed the pump with a tip and no complaints about him. I mean, I, the one thing I always ask for is a fresh bucket of ice every day. And he did give that, but it just, you know, usually when you're on a cruise, you see your, your steward a couple times, they stop by, they, you know, whatever they do only do the once a day service. And they, as far as I know, they don't even ask anymore. Do you want morning or night? It's just basically, you know, they come in after you've left for the day and they clean the room. Um, so definitely, definitely some service cutbacks entertainment was also um, a little bit more lacking than I'm used to finding. One of the things I really love on ships, and this is both, especially like Carnival and Norwegian are both really good at this. I don't find Royal Caribbean to be quite as good, but I love wandering around at night and hearing, you know, there might be a singer here and a band there and this, that, and the other. And they did have entertainment going on. Like they did have, you know, a regularly scheduled band, uh, the, the piano players in Howl at the Moon, however many nights. And they did have um, shows going on, but it didn't seem like there was as much. It just felt like, and, and the talent quite honestly didn't seem quite as good as it's been in the past. Um, for example, they had a piano player in the district brew house. Um, he's actually something kind of of a name. He he was on The Voice, I believe, last season. He didn't win The Voice, but he was on The Voice. <laughs> um, and, and he was okay, but he seemed a lot more interested in shilling for tips than he did actually performing, and that was kind of a big turnoff, especially since, you know, you're not all that great. So maybe dial back the shilling for tips. Um, the one thing I will say is they have some really good entertainment on the ship as far as, for example, Choir of Men. That might be the best show at sea. Um, I've seen it a couple times. If you have been cruising with Norwegian for a long time, you might recall that they used to do that as sort of a dinner theater show. They would have, you know, it was a very small venue and like the performers would come and they 
dance on your table and sit with you and have a beer. They don't do that anymore because they now do it in the theater. But before the show starts, they invite everybody who wants to come up on stage and get a beer. And they do like 10, 15 minutes of just them on stage hanging out with people from the theater. It's very cool. And the show itself is phenomenal. I mean, that is something you have to make reservations for. Please do make reservations. Um, you know, if you can make reservations twice, cause you're going to see it and you're going to love it. And you're going to want to see it again. That is a phenomenal show. The other thing that I really enjoyed, um, this ship has a supper club and, you know, it changes week to week. What's going to be in there, whoever they have. To, um, we had a singer named Ashley Tate who was fantastic, the meal was, you know, you had no choice. It was either an eggplant parmesan or a chicken parmesan and then like a salad and a dessert. But it was free. This was all included. Um, you know, it wasn't something that you pay for. And the performance was fantastic. Obviously, something like that, it's going to vary. You know, it's going to depend on the um, on who happens to be on board and who they're, you know, putting in the theater. But I think it's worth checking out because it's, it's a... F- Really fun, really intimate venue. There's only like, you know, maybe 150, 200 people. And it's, I believe it's first come, first serve. I don't believe they take reservations. But we had no problem. We just walked right in. Um, There were two comics on board. And the best thing that they did, because it was almost impossible to get into the comedy shows. But one night they, for whatever reason, they had both comics performing in the theater. And it was fantastic because, you know, you didn't have to worry about not getting in. Um, it's it's a great venue. I don't know why you wouldn't use a theater for something like that because comedians are very popular. And no matter whether you're on Carnival or Norwegian, the venue they're in is always too small. And, you know, you have to go to a standby line or make reservations. In the theater, you didn't have to worry about that. So if you're looking to see the comedians, check the schedule, see if they're going to be in the theater and try and see them that night because you can just walk right in and it's fantastic. So yes, there were definitely cutbacks in both of those areas, service and um, entertainment. Was it enough to derail my trip? No. If I wasn't a regular Norwegian sailor, I probably wouldn't have even noticed because, you know, there was a band in the atrium. And uh, so, yeah, I probably wouldn't have been as aware of it if I, you know, if this wasn't something that I sort of, you know, focus on and write on. Hey, how about the uh, Wheel of Fortune is now on this ship? Yes, Wheel of Fortune is on this ship, and I I wanted to love it. I really did. I love Wheel of Fortune. I love the games. I love Deal and No. I love when they play Deal or No Deal on the ship. Unfortunately, I found Wheel of Fortune to be a real just – it was not good for two reasons. One, our cruise director – was a nice guy, very good, um, but he did not have the personality or and he wasn't quick enough on his feet to do Wheel of Fortune. Like at no point did he interact really with the three contestants. He didn't like, you know, ask where they're from or make little jokes with them or anything. You know, he just sort of he seemed very out of his element. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is there's a there's an assistant cruise director on Escape named Marco with a C. And he is, I saw him do several programs. I think he would have been a great choice for this. He's much quicker on his feet. Um, so that was that was the first problem with it. But the second problem is it is incredibly reliant on technology. When you walk in the theater, whether you want to buy tickets or play along, you have to have 
a phone. You have to have um, you have to scan a QR code, and then you go to a site and you you know enter your name, and then you download whether you want to buy two tickets or five tickets. You can't really play along on your phone unless you are buying tickets. Um, the whole first ten minutes of the thing was the cruise director explaining how this was going to work. You know, not only the rules of Wheel of Fortune, but the rules of how it would work on your phone, which are incredibly complicated. It's nothing like Deal or No Deal, where you just walk up, give them money, they give you a card, and you play along. It it really, they need to go back to the drawing board, take out the logical aspect. I, I get why they want to do that, but, um, you know, the the internet is already sometimes sketchy on a ship, so to do your entire like big once a week game show in such a way that you are reliant on the ship's internet and people being technologically savvy enough in order to interact with it just felt like a big mistake. And there was no energy in the audience because they weren't getting any energy from the stage. Luckily, one of the contestants was absolutely hysterical. He knew he knew what he was doing and he played the audience and made it more fun. But the the best way I can put it is I'm a huge fan of this kind of format. There were three rounds and I walked out after the second. I was just like, no, this is this is not good. So it needs some tweaking. But how are you winning the actual money if you're actually if you're paying for a ticket or a paying for a pass to play? Like, are you playing along with the contestants? Yeah, like the way it works is, let's say that they land on the twenty dollars spot and they pick a G. If on your phone you have the twenty dollars spot and a G, you get points. And the points add up as the game goes on. And then there's also an option as as you're playing along, if you know the puzzle and you enter your puzzle in, the first person who entered it on the phone, as opposed to the contestants, gets like, you know, a Wheel of Fortune keychain or something. It's, It's just, it's really complicated. It's really, really complicated. And I mean, I'm not the small, I don't think that you should have to have a college degree in in game tech in order to play a game on a cruise ship. <laughs> well, let's switch gears here and talk about entertainment that you like, the casino. Uh, how was it overall? Did it pay out for you? And what was the smoke situation like? And how was the smoking situation? Uh, well, the casino was very, very good to me. The casino definitely paid for the trip. <laughs> um, I hit several, you know, I, I never hit like a, big jackpot, but I hit like $1,000 here and $700 here and $800 there. So um, the casino was very good. They have a pretty decent um, array of machines and table games and stuff. The smoke situation is what it is on these ships. You know, it is not great. Um, They constantly are announcing that, you know, smoking is only for people who are playing, but nobody pays attention to that. Everybody disregards it. Uh, And of course, you know, we, we actually... We were gonna when we went to La Bistro, we were gonna eat at the outdoor area. And when I say outdoor area, it's outside of the restaurant, but inside of the ship. Um, it's in the courtyard area. But the casino is directly above and the smoke smell comes right down. It was like kind of, you know, not something you wanted when you were eating. So yeah, the smoke situation isn't great. The casino hosts were fantastic. Um, they they actually had really good drink service, or at least I did. I tend to, if I find a good server, I tend to like, you know, make sure I tip them well and sort of 
keep their attention all week. So my there was a guy, Jerry. He um, has been working with Norwegian for 22 years. He is a drink server in the casino. And tell him Richard said hi and befriend him because he was my best friend and kept me well hydrated the entire week. Do they still have those finger foods there? I remember you always, always like those late night eats in the casino. They did. I know at one point I walked over and had something, but they didn't seem to do it very frequently. Or maybe it was just that I wasn't in the right area at the right mm. time because it's tucked away in like this little corner yeah. um, sort of over by the tables. And I probably just didn't notice when they brought out food because I was so into my game. So give us a lowdown on the Halloween party. Did you dress up this year? What kind of bash was it on board? Halloween night go. Halloween was awesome. Although the party wasn't awesome. So um, Halloween, there were so many people dressed up and there were so many great costumes. There was one family that came as basically all the characters in uh, The Little Mermaid and they were stunning. They, they were just, they were just, they were incredible. They were getting stopped every two seconds to get their photo taken. Mm-hmm. Um, mine was very simple. I, you know, did some makeup and I have a, from from a previous project I had done, I have a vampire cape. So I was a vampire and um, uh, Kimberly was dressed as um, I, there's a word for it, but I can't remember the word. But she basically looked like one of those German girls who serve beers on the casino machines. Um, one of the things they did, and I had been on one previous um, Halloween cruise, so I was hoping they would do this. They closed down the children's area early, and they turned it into one of those walkthrough, almost like at Halloween uh, or, or Hollywood scare nights or whatever they call it in Orlando. You know, you walk through and people jump out at you. They took the supper club and turned it into that, and it was so much fun. I mean, just people screaming and peeing their pants, and it was a blast. If there was a downside to Halloween, it was that there were so many people in so many costumes that when you went to the Halloween party, which was held at Spice H2O, which is a nice outdoor area on the back of the ship, they were doing the Halloween costume contest, and they had like 20 different categories. It took forever. You know, there were like 70 people in the, you know, best single outfit. There were 30 kids entered in the kids' costume, and you had to wait for each of them to go up on stage. And I, I didn't stay. I ended up leaving and just went to the casino and um, and had a frighteningly good time winning money. So, um, but but Halloween on the ship was a lot of fun. You know, the cast, the crew member, crew members all got really into it. There were a lot of them in costumes, and um, and it was overall a really good time. So let's talk about the days at sea on this seven-night cruise. You had a couple going back and forth to Bermuda from New York. So how were they as far as crowds and congestion? It was interesting because they actually changed our itinerary because of the weather. We were supposed to leave New York, be at sea for two days, be in Bermuda for three days, and then have one day sailing back. They actually flipped that. So we had one day at sea at the beginning and then two days at sea on the way back. I love that. I like ending on sea days. So that was kind of an unexpected, fantastic bonus. I thought the ship did really well. Um, Now, part of that may be because on at least one of those sea days, we had some rough weather. There were some people definitely staying in their cabins and kind of like, you know, worshiping the porcelain god because – it wasn't it wasn't terrible you know it's not like silverware was crashing on the floor or anything but for people who aren't necessarily um don't have their sea legs it was a little bit rough um but the ship they they did a really good job of keeping things going around and on in the various venues there was always something going on in the atrium uh you know they had including a couple of new games that i had never seen before which was fun 
that was when we found out that you could go to um, Food Republic for lunch. And since nobody knew about that, it was it was pretty empty, which was great. So, yeah, we we very much enjoyed the sea days. I'm surprised you haven't brought up the local yet. And that's one of your favorites on board. We did go to the local one day. And um, I mean, I got the wings, which are always fine. Um, she got some stuff that was not good. Like she got a spinach dip that was basically green water. Um, her Reuben was very good. Um, but it was, it was, you know, service wasn't great there. It was always crowded, which it can often be. Um, I, I should mention that one of the things that we did that made the entire trip great, uh, since she had paid for our parking at the pier, I bought us both passes to the Vibe Beach Club, which is the, um, it's a private area on deck like 19. It's got its own bar. It's got really, it's got a hot tub. It's got really comfortable um, loungers. And you, they only sell about 50 or 60 passes to it. There were never more than maybe 15 people up there. And we always had a blast. The bartender was constantly serving us shots. Um, people were just, it, it was, if you wanted to hang out with people, there was, you know, there were people at the bar who were very friendly and wanted to hang out. If you didn't want to, there was plenty of room up there that you could go somewhere else and, you know, just like sit and read or whatever. That was, we spent a good portion of the first sea day and the last sea day there. It's, it's a, it's, it costs around $220 a person, I want to say. Um, but it, I definitely found it worth it. Now, a little bit later in the year, when you you know lose a lot of your outdoor time to bad weather sailing out of New York, it probably wouldn't have been worth it. But we had a pretty for, – for as late in the year as we were sailing, we had pretty good weather. So it was kind of awesome. And then you make your way to Bermuda. You're there. Uh, so this was an abbreviated uh, Bermuda stop. Did you get to do anything when you are on the island? Well, we were there for two and a half days. Um, the first day it was pouring rain. And so we donned ponchos and wandered around St. George and had lunch over there. The second day we were scheduled to go to the beach and we, and it was kind of windy. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't raining, but it was pretty windy. And we were both like, you know what, if I want to get like exfoliated by sandblasting, I'll go to the, I'll go to the spa. So we decided to skip the beach and just stay on the ship and enjoy the fact that it was empty. Um, and then the third day, Thursday, um, we left, but you know, the, the ship was leaving at like two o'clock, so we didn't really do anything. Bermuda to me was really just a place for the ship to park while I hung out on the ship. Cause I, I'm all about the ship and we did have some plans that we were going to do a few things that we basically ended up blowing off. So, but we were both okay with that. All right. So you, did you have any like really rough weather out there? We had some rough weather, not really rough, but. We definitely, there were, you know, you could feel the ship rocking sometimes mm -hmm. and, you know, you always know it's going to be one of those days when you leave your room and you're getting ready to go up the stairs and on the end of the, the, the staircase, they've, they've put out the little container of barf bags <laughs> and, um, and they did break out the barf bags once or twice. So, um, so yeah, there was definitely some weather, but it wasn't anything too terrible. Mm -hmm. You make your way back to Pier 88 in Manhattan. How was the whole debark process? Good because we did something unusual. I find that Norwegian's debark process is usually a mess. I usually do self-disembarkation and I take my own luggage and stuff. She wanted to let them take her luggage the night before. And I was like, okay, you know what? I guess I'll try that too. So we left our luggage out the night before, got up in the morning, went down and had a nice leisurely breakfast 
and then and then went and got in line when they called our number, which is like so not the way I normally do it. And there was still, you know, even doing it that way and following all the rules, um, there was still quite a bit of a line, but it wasn't terrible. It it ultimately, you know, it didn't take that long to get off. And once we were and we and they did the facial recognition thing in the port. So we were out of there pretty quickly. Any first time tips to offer someone sailing out of Manhattan or on Norwegian Escape? You know, if you are going to be having to do what we did and run around and, you know, get reservations on board, get there as early as possible because you want to get the lowest boarding number possible so that you don't spend all of your first day. Um, I would say, and this is true of pretty much any cruise, but it's definitely true of most Norwegian cruises, prepare for the first day, the first like three hours to be a nightmare. There will be points in the first three hours where you're like, why did we do this? Between running around and making reservations and trying to get an elevator and waiting for the rooms to open because they didn't open until about two o'clock you will definitely get frustrated and you will be like, why did we do this? But that evening, as everything settles down and everybody like kind of, you know, spreads out across the ship and the crowds part, then you will settle back in and you will feel fine and normal until disembarkation day when the hell begins again. So, um, <laughs> you know, that, that it, the, my biggest tip is always know that you're going on a cruise, know that some things are going to go wrong and just, you know, make sure to pack a good attitude. Was this a perfect cruise? No, it was way better than I anticipated because like the person who um, you read the letter from earlier, you know, I have seen and experienced quite a few cuts on Norwegian over the last year or so. And so I was prepared for this to be a not so great trip. I hoped that wouldn't be the case because I really wanted Kimberly to have a great time and it turned out we both had a fantastic time. So, you know, it it all worked out well. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? <laughs> Doing shots in the vibe. I mean, I swear, every time I turned around, someone was yelling, it's shot o'clock. <laughs> and, um, and the bartender was making just all these crazy different kinds of shots. And you didn't, you know, you were like, oh, I think I'm going to pass this round. And then you'd be like, well, that does look good. And so that was... That was just a, especially one day in particular, it was just so much fun. It was a blast. And other than that, I would say winning in the casino. That never happened. So the fact that I came home with more money than I went with, definite highlight. So you could be getting at, uh, that come cruise with us again on us here pretty soon. Then. I better, because let me tell you, when I did Celebrity in June, I won less money than I won on Norwegian. And like I have been getting nonstop offers for free cruises from Celebrity. Right now they're all out of Florida, so I'm not doing them. I'll wait until next year when they're sailing out of New York again. But I better get something from Norwegian because <laughs> I earned it. <laughs> and in closing here, your final thoughts of Norwegian Escape. It's a big ship. You know, you know, you have to know that going in. You know, with passengers and crew, it's like six thousand something. But it was a really good time and I would book it again in a heartbeat. I wouldn't I wouldn't be nervous about it at all. And now I'm just counting down to the next one. All right. Go enjoy your Thanksgiving, man. I appreciate it. Always glad to be here. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah. Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. 
Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.